5 and verse 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Amen. Everybody say, they shall be filled. Nehemiah 9.15 said, The Lord gave them bread from heaven for their hunger, and He brought forth water out of the rock for their thirst. And promised them that they should go in to possess the land which he had sworn to give them. He gave them bread from heaven for their hunger. And brought forth water from a rock for their thirst. In John 6 and 35. Brother Maurice and I didn't talk about what we're talking about today. But the Lord likes to give confirmation. Jesus said to them, I am. I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Amen. Blessed are the hungry. It's an appropriate message for fasting. Blessed are the hungry. And even though it's a little easier this year, you still hunger after some things you can't have, right? Amen. So today we're going to talk about how the Lord likes to feed the hungry. He delights in feeding the hungry. And that is why blessed are the hungry, for they shall be filled. Amen. Let's pray one more time. Lord, we're thankful for your word today. And we just ask as we open up your word and we examine your word, that there would be revelation that would be here for our hearts and our minds to receive this word and help this word not fall on stony ground but Lord help our hearts to receive it today Lord right now we repent of anything that's not like you we repent of anything that is sinful in our lives so we can gladly receive your word today we, we spend the next few minutes to focus on you and, and just ignore the phone and ignore the situations that it might be waiting for us later. They'll still be there. But for the next few minutes, we want to really focus on your word. We want to receive your word today because your word is life. Your word is power today. This is not just a speech that we're listening to, but this is the eternal word of God. This is the life-giving word of God. And it's alive today. So we pray we will receive it. And we will benefit from it. That there will be faith as we receive your word today. We'll mix the hearing of the word with faith, God. So that it won't just be for someone else. But all of us will leave blessed today. Because you are good today. And you have come to feed whoever is hungry. You've come to fill whoever is thirsty today. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst today. Because before the time we leave, we shall be filled, Lord Jesus. We shall be filled. Amen. We give you glory. One more time, can we just give Him thanks before we're seated today? Give Him glory. Give Him honor. We worship you, Jesus. We magnify you today for your love and your mercy and your grace. For all that you're doing in your house today, God. We worship you. We praise you. We magnify you, Jesus. We worship you, God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.
You may be seated today. Amen. Jesus was grieving the loss of his cousin, John the Baptist. John was not someone who was concerned with being politically correct. Nor was he interested in smooth-talking dignitaries, VIPs, kings, or paupers alike. He didn't care. He was going to tell the truth. He had a ministry that said, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And John did his ministry well. King Herod had John arrested, in fact, because... John rightly pointed his finger at Herod and said, Your marriage to Herodias, which happens to be the wife of your brother Philip, is not lawful. I can just hear Herodias' words. Don't judge me. I can hear King Herod. Don't judge me. But John wasn't judging them. John was declaring the word of God. It was unlawful. And he was not afraid to declare it. King Herod would have killed John at that very moment, but he was afraid what the people might think because they regarded John the Baptist as a great prophet sent from God. But when Herod's birthday came, the story takes another twist. The Bible doesn't candy coat things. His niece slash stepdaughter, the daughter of his brother, and now the daughter of his wife, unlawfully so, Salome danced before him immodestly and pleased him so much that he said, I will do whatever you ask me to do. And she, as she continued to dance with the coaxing of her mother, she said, Give me the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Reluctantly, King Herod granted her request. Apparently, his moral conviction for his word was greater than his sexual morality. And in the spirit of beheading Christians, began. It is not something that is happening only today, but it was as far back as that day that the enemy would try to destroy those who follow Christ. True to his word, King Herod had the head of the prophet delivered to Salome, who in turn was so desensitized and immoral, she delivered this head on a platter to her mother, who readily accepted it. The disciples were able to somehow get the body of John the Baptist and they proceeded to bury him properly. After burying him, they went and they told his cousin, Jesus. Jesus, we have horrible news. Jesus would not have known about this from Facebook or Twitter or YouTube. They had to hand deliver the message Your cousin is gone. When Jesus heard about this, he was understandably upset. He left privately in a boat and he went to a secluded place. 
He didn't want to be around other people at that time. He knew he must get in the presence of God. He must draw strength from the Spirit inside of him. The Spirit of his Father, Almighty God. He needed to be alone. He just lost his dear cousin, the one who prepared the way for his ministry. But when the crowds heard of this, they followed Jesus on foot. They came from the cities and they waited for him on the shore. And when he returned, he saw a large crowd. Nobody would have blamed Jesus for saying, you know what, guys, I am too upset to minister today. I am in the middle of grieving the loss of my cousin. I am upset and I cannot continue to be around people. I need some time. I think we would all understand that. But instead it said Jesus saw the large crowd and He felt a profound compassion for them. And He began to minister to them and He healed the sick. And when evening was come, the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, it's getting late and these people are getting hungry. We need to send them away so they can go to the villages and they can buy food. They're hungry. And it would be perfectly understandable for Jesus to say, good idea, send them away. But He didn't. I'm sure He was tired. I'm sure He was still grieving, but He didn't become cynical. He didn't become self-centered. He simply said, bring them here to Me. Jesus proceeded to take a lad's lunch, five loaves and two fish, and He miraculously fed 5,000 men besides women and children. So approximately 20,000 or more people were fed that day. It didn't happen in a moment, but it took time. It took effort. It took energy. And if there was ever a time the Lord would have passed up feeding somebody who was hungry, it would have been this day. But He didn't. Because Jesus never turns away hunger. Nehemiah 9.15 as we read, He miraculously provided for the children of Israel every single day as they wandered in the wilderness, even though He was upset with them, even though it was their own unbelief that caused them to wander in circles. An 11-day journey turned into 40 years of going in circles. He still provided every single day. They woke up in the morning to find bread from heaven. And when they were thirsty, He brought forth water from the rock. Because God doesn't resist hunger and thirst, He satisfies. Just as He provided for them, He will provide for us today. Don't worry. Don't fret. Believe. 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 Just as Jesus fed the hungry, so should we. And I'm thankful that we have a desire to do this as a church. As our church grows, we're going to grow in our ability to do this in meeting the physical needs of others. But I am thankful for what we're already doing. With the exception of today, because we're giving the ladies a day off, we feed people every week. 
Every Sunday we have a full meal. How does that happen? Because you give. You give. And there's a willingness for workers to work and get things ready. And a willingness for people to stay late to tear things down. Because we love to feed people. Whenever I tell people we have a meal every week, they are astounded. Other pastors say, how in the world do you do that? I said, I don't. <laughs> Mostly Norma does. <laughs> you got to have somebody with the burden. And as we know, we, she needs a team of help, and thankfully we help her. But God loves feeding the hungry, and we are His body, so we should feed the hungry. I'm looking forward to later this year as Murray Hills begins to partner with other churches. Once a quarter, they're going to have a week set aside where some homeless families can come and stay here in the church that week. They'll arrive on Sunday night, and I said, we can feed them. We're already eating anyways. We only need just a little bit more food. Do we usually have enough? There's usually more than 12 baskets left over. There's plenty. So we'll feed them Sunday, we'll feed them Tuesday night, we'll feed them Thursday night because we want to feed people. And around the holidays, partnering with Ryan and Heidi, some stuff they're already doing. We've helped the Union Gospel Mission before, but providing some meals for families that are at the hospital with their children at Dornbeckers. Around Christmas, some, again, maybe some food and some gifts. Why? Because we need to feed the hungry. And as God blesses and as we can go ahead and just dream for the future, as God provides more land or more space or more resources that we can begin to have a full-time food pantry, shelter, maybe for the homeless, why not? If we pray and we believe and we put it to good use, God will bless. God will give. Because He's interested in blessing those that are blessing others. Just as He's concerned, we need to be concerned. Don't just be satisfied if my belly is full. What about somebody else who's starving? Amen. But beyond the physical needs, the Lord is concerned with ministering to people's spiritual hunger and thirst. He often appeals to this aspect of us, that inner longing that we sometimes try to cram other stuff in place of. How good does that work? Not very well, does it? Well, someone once said, there's a God-shaped hole inside me, and only God can fit in that space. There's a hunger and a thirst that we try to fill with other things, and it does not work. John 6.35, the Lord said unto them again as we read, I am the bread of life. I am. And it's in my notes before we heard the word from the Lord. When God told Moses, tell them I am has sent you. He was saying, tell them that whatever they need, I am. I need a doctor. I am. I need a healer. I am. I need a lawyer. I am. I need a savior. I am. God is saying, I am whatever you need. Fill it in. There's whatever the blank is. I am. 
And not only in, in a place of need, but at any time, He's the first and the last and everything in between. So if you're talking about 30 years ago, 30 years from now, or right now, He says, I am. Because He dwells outside of all time and space. Whatever we need, He is. And He's saying, please come to Me. I am the bread of life. John 6 and 50 says, This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Now, we don't physically partake of the physical body of Jesus Christ. We know that. But spiritually, when we go to the cross and we ask for repentance, we get baptized in His name, we get filled with the Spirit, we are receiving the bread of heaven. And although we may never look at it this way, we don't ever die. We might cease in this life. We might graduate. But we don't even die. We just go to sleep here and wake up in eternity. We don't die as Christians. We live forever. So that when someone dies in this life, we call it death. But really all it is is them ceasing to be here. We miss them because we, we want to be with them. And, and it hurts and there's sorrow because we miss them. But they have not died they have gone unto glory. They have just passed into eternity. So when we, t- we can partake of this bread of life and receive eternal life, and it doesn't just fill us up temporarily, but it sustains our souls forever. The South has some pretty good soul food, but it's got nothing on Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate soul food. Again, He is the bread of life that that hunger can only be satisfied one way, and it's Jesus. In the next statement, he says, He that comes to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. And I'll admit that this takes understanding. It doesn't seem to make sense at first, just like a lot of the teachings of the Lord. Because we understand we can get a great touch from God today, but that's only going to last us so long. We're going to need some more of God probably tomorrow. We need fresh bread every day. Our flesh rises up every day. It's here to say, yeah, you got a good dose yesterday, but you're dealing with me again today. I'm still here. (laughs) So what does it mean if... If, we, if, we're hunger, if we're hungry and we need more of God, that's a good thing, I believe. God wants us to be hungry. God doesn't want us to be at a place where we're never hungry for more of Him. We're never hungry for more of His kingdom. So what could it mean? What I believe it means is that every time we feel hungry, we can be filled. Most of us in America... We think we know what hunger is, but we don't. We think we know what hunger and thirst are, but we don't. Because as soon as we feel it, we satisfy it. Quickly. 
We go to the pantry. We go to the fridge. We go to the drive-thru. We go somewhere. And we get food quickly. Even fasting is nowhere close to true hunger. Until we fasted maybe 30 or 40 days, then we're going to start feeling real hunger. But I don't know about you, I've never fasted that long. (laughs) So it simply means just as whenever we're hungry, but we don't ever have to hunger in America because we got food readily available. Whenever we're hungry for God, we go to the pantry. And the pantry's full. Whenever we're hungry for God, we go to the table. And the table's set and it's full. God is always available. We don't have to hunger and thirst because He'll always fill us when we're hungry or thirsty. We don't have to get into this deep sense of hunger or this deep sense of thirst where we're barely hanging on, we're barely surviving. We need to go to God as soon as we start to feel hungry. Because when we begin to feel hungry in the flesh, usually that's just a warning from the body. We're not even really hungry yet. It's just a warning. I'm going to need some food in a little while. So whenever we start to feel hungry spiritually, that's a warning. I need to pray. I need to go to God. And the beauty of it is, we can go with the full assurance that there is always a place prepared at His table for us. We don't have to hunger. We don't have to thirst. Because we can come and partake freely of the bread of life. John six thirty seven says, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. You see, the problem why we're too hungry and too thirsty sometimes is because we don't come to him. That's like getting angry at our mom when she has food on the table and we're mad that we're hungry. Why don't you feed me? There's a meal on the table. Whose fault? Not mom's. She made dinner. It's sitting there. It's your fault for staying outside and playing. And not coming in. And that's the Lord. He says, come to my table. Come to my table. There's an old hymn that says, Come and dine, the master calleth. Come and dine. You may feast at Jesus' table all the time. Jesus fed the multitude, turned the water into wine. Come and dine, the Master calleth. Come and dine. Isaiah 55, 1-3 says, Everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And just in case you think you got to pay for it, he that hath no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, by wine and milk, without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and you labor for that which satisfieth not? Why you run around trying and spending and working yourself to death to satisfy yourself with all the entertainments of life and all the pursuits of this world, and it doesn't truly satisfy? When he has purchased satisfaction already. Hearken diligently unto me, 
He's asking for us to be diligent in coming to Him. And eat that which is good. He never serves us bad food. And let your soul delight itself in fatness. That's the cool thing about the Lord and spiritually. Fat is where it's at. Fat is where it's at. There's no down to fat in the Spirit. He says, let your soul delight itself in fatness. Gorge yourself spiritually. Come to the table and eat and eat and eat and eat and delight yourself. He doesn't serve lean meals. Incline your ear. Come to me. Please, he's saying, listen. Incline your ear. Listen, come to me. Here and your soul shall live. If you'll just listen and you'll just come, your soul shall live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. We don't even have to buy it. We don't have to pay for it. He already purchased it at Calvary. Our salvation was bought by His blood. John seven thirty seven through 39 In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and He cried. You think Jesus cares about this? There's some passion in Jesus. He's crying out. Saying, if any man will thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me. This is important to understand. Not just any old way, but as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Talk about satisfaction. There's more than enough. There's so much that He invests in us. There's enough to overflow for others. We become a well of the Spirit. Not only are we not thirsty, but inside of us is a well springing up that others are able to feel refreshment from the presence of God. But this spake He of the Spirit. Just to be clear of what Jesus is talking about in this context... He's not just talking about physical water, but He's saying, this is of the Spirit. I'm speaking of the Spirit. Because they which believe on Me shall receive that Spirit. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given at this point, because Jesus was not yet glorified. He had not yet ascended into glory. So He's saying, after I ascend, you're going to have this opportunity to come unto me and drink and receive living water. Receive my spirit that will quench that inner thirst. That inner desire. You know, I think it's hilarious when you're with someone. If it's your spouse, don't look at them. And they say, I'm so hungry I can eat anything. Okay, how about Applebee's. No, not Applebee's. That's gross. Okay, uh, Red Robin. Nah, I don't feel like Red Robin today. Um, I'll eat anything. Um, Burgerville? No, no. You are not that hungry. Okay, if you're really that hungry, you're going to eat anything. Right? You're going to eat anything. 
We need to come and we need to drink at the wells of living water. Amen. Revelation twenty two seventeen says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. Anybody catching the theme here? Come. <laughs> because only you can decide to come. Jesus is calling. Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Amen. You can come and take as much as you want. Just come and drink and drink and drink. Jesus wants to satisfy our hunger and our thirst. He wants to give us His Spirit that will truly satisfy that inner longing. In those times we don't know what we really want, we just feel hungry. It's most likely the void of His presence. We're trying to adopt all these different kind of lifestyles and pursue this dream and that dream. And if I can only get this promotion, if I can only make this much money, if I can only have this house, drive this car, if I can only find a husband, if I can only find a wife, if gone and on and on. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. Again, Matthew 5, 6 tells us, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst. That's a paradox. It's, it doesn't make sense. But blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. For they shall be filled. There's no question. They shall. Coming to a conclusion, we're going to pray here shortly. If Sister Anna wants to come, she can. But it says... In, I don't know if any of you guys ever used these words, but I have. I'm so hungry, I could eat a horse. Right? I'm so hungry, I could eat a horse. I don't know how many things I say that I have no clue where they come from. Right? I have no idea how they originated. I don't know why people say it. I'm so hungry, I could eat a horse. Now, in my mind... To me, that's always meant, I'm so hungry, I can eat an entire horse. Right? Because horses aren't small. They're pretty big. Right? So I can eat an entire horse. I'm so hungry. And horses don't taste that good either, probably. So I can eat this huge animal that doesn't even taste good. That's my reasoning. But apparently, you never know with the internet, but apparently, with... Uh, the multiple sources that I could find on this elaborate subject. People say, I'm so hungry I could eat a horse because eating a horse would not be socially acceptable. Most cultures revere, revere horses so much that it would be socially unacceptable for you to eat a horse. Just like in India, if you eat a cow, you probably... They'd be very upset because cows are holy there, literally. Holy cow. I mean, something different there. It's different. So my question is, when we say that, are we really hungry enough for the things of God to do things that are socially unacceptable? 
We have to get so hungry, we're not fearful of what other people think. We're always worried about, is this going to be acceptable to other people? But we're so hungry, we're willing to do whatever it takes to have more of Jesus Christ. Our church is a place where people have freedom to express their desire and their hunger for God. It's maybe a little louder than some churches. And we don't purposely just make noise just to feel like we're touching God. If we make a certain amount of decibels, we touched Him today. It's not about that. But it's about just letting our soul cry out. And sometimes it's a a weeping. Sometimes it's a, a repentant cry. Sometimes it's a, Lord, have mercy. But it doesn't really matter what it is as long as it's sincere. And there's sometimes where a whisper just is not adequate to express my hunger. My thirst. Like blind Bartimaeus, we get to a place where we have got to receive from the Lord. And we won't be quiet. And there's a man in modern times named William Seymour who was extraordinarily hungry for God. John Lake highlights his hunger in one of his sermons. He said that Seymour was so powerful in the spirit when he preached at his church that lives were changed forever. He couldn't, he hardly ever felt somebody who had the power of the spirit like Seymour in his life. That when he spoke, it literally changed people because of the power of God. And it began because Seymour had a hunger for God. And sitting in the hallway, because he wasn't allowed to be in the classroom because of racial divide, he didn't get offended. He just said, I'll sit in the hallway because I've got to have more of God. And he heard about this baptism of the Holy Ghost that the apostles received. And he realized, this is for me. God has ordained me to receive His Spirit. The Spirit of God is to be poured out in every generation until He returns or takes His church out of this world. And he began to pray and to seek God. And Seymour didn't just make a couple trips to the altar and say, you know what, I haven't got it yet. It must just be for then. It must just be for that time back there. But he kept praying, I've got to receive this experience that I read about in the Bible because I believe this is for every person. So Seymour didn't just pray once or twice. He prayed five hours a day for two and a half years. He prayed five hours a day for two and a half years. That's hunger. After two and a half years, he said, Lord, what can I do? I, need, I want to receive this baptism of your spirit. What do I need to do? God said, believe it or not, pray more. What? I've been praying five hours a day for two and a half years. So Seymour began to pray seven hours a day. And he prayed seven hours a day for another year and a half. He's been praying for four years. Five to seven hours every single day. God, give me your spirit. I've got to have all you have for me. I need to have this experience that I read about in the book of Acts. 
Nothing could stop his hunger. And God blessed his hunger and marvelously filled Seymour. And he gave him a measure of his spirit that other people could literally feel when he was around. I'm not saying you have to pray for four years today. Because part of what I believe God was doing there is he was preparing Seymour for Azusa Street Revival. Because Seymour would lead Azusa Street. And that is quite possibly the greatest modern day revival of Pentecost. He had to be ready. And God was just testing him. How hungry are you? I need somebody to be really hungry. Because there's going to be opposition. There's going to be people that come through the doors and they're going to say, this is not of God, this is devilish. This speaking in tongues is the wrong thing. And I'm going to have to have somebody who's so hungry, that's not going to distract them. That's not going to deter them. They're going to keep preaching my word. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst for the kingdom of God. Blessed are they which desire to be used by God. T.F. Tinney said, Time seeking the Lord is born out of love. Not discipline, but desire. Time seeking the Lord is born out of love. Not discipline, but desire. Amen. If you love Him today, if you're hungry for more of Him, I just invite you to pray. And to say, God, I'm hungry for more of You. I'm thirsty for the things of God. I'm hungry to see blind eyes open. I'm hungry to see deaf ears stop. I'm hungry to see the dead raised to life. I'm hungry, Lord Jesus, for more of you. Amen. If you're hungry today, that's your prayer. You can pray with absolute confidence that you'll be filled today. Amen. If you'll just pray that prayer and you'll mean it, begin to talk to him about what you're hungry for. God's going to fill you today. Amen. And it's going to begin to sing and we're just going to have a time of prayer. Again, there's no food. If you want to come forward and pray, if you want to pray where you are, that's not as important as if you pray. Blessed are you if you're hungry today because you can leave this place filled. Amen.